Welcome back to another Edge Got In podcast. Thank you for pushing the pause button to Edge Got In, to your mind, your will, and your emotions. Welcome to today's podcast entitled, How to Maintain Inner Peace. Wow, how do we do that? (laughs) Especially when things don't turn out the way we want them to, right? How are we able to maintain that sense of inner peace? And that is our topic today, my friends. At the end of today's podcast, you'll have some guidance as well as some action steps to make that more consistent within your life and your relationship with Jesus Christ of Nazareth. If you're new to Edge God In podcast, welcome. You can find the podcast all located at our main website, edgegodin.com. Our mission statement at Edge Got In is to champion your human potential in Christ. Edge Got In podcast is the voice of the Emotional Intelligence in Christ Project, which is based on a mission statement of its own to create learning systems that lead to the experience of God's love which empowers individuals to manage emotions and behaviors that glorify God. You can find out more information and more support systems for emotional intelligence in Christ at emotionalintelligenceinchrist.com. We still are offering the EIC 2023 50% off our emotional intelligence in Christ course. So at checkout, if you choose to participate in that course to learn how to become the boss of your emotions, please use that discount code at checkout for 50% off. It is EIC 2023 for the course. Let's jump into our topic. How do we maintain inner peace? Where are you coming to this podcast from today? when it comes to your sense of peace inside the castle, as I'll often say. What has robbed you of the peace that passes all human understanding? Keep that situation in mind as we continue our conversation around the invitation to maintain inner peace and how is that possible. We're going to be pulling in some scriptures as well as some coaching questions. If you're in a position to take notes, please do so. My background as an adult is in adult education and um, behavioral modification for personal excellence and growth. And one of the biggest takeaways from that training that I kind of have carried with myself is if you do want to remember something increase the odds that you'll be able to apply it and transfer it into your behavior. Whatever it is that sparks your interest that the Holy Spirit kind of bumps you on, like, hey, this is good for you, write it down and then look at it several times within 48 hours to remind your mind of what your soul was moved by. Why is this important? Because the world screams, my friends, and God whispers. And even when we do have just a little crack or breakthrough in that 
vicious cycle of shiny objects and our to-do lists, and something stops us in our tracks, we might pause for a second, feel the refreshment, kind of like opening up the windows in a stuffy house and feeling the cool breeze come in. And then we get quickly swallowed up by those to-do lists and shiny objects, unless we're very intentional about the bump of the Holy Spirit. And we pause and say, you know what? I don't want to forget this. I want to remember this, Lord. Show me how you want to transfer this into my life so that I can move closer into that peace that passes all human understanding. So if you're on the go and listening in today, before we begin, simply pause for a moment and invite the Holy Spirit in to your experience in today's learnings. Holy Spirit, we come to you today. And we invite you in to our learning experience. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. We give you permission to bump our hearts, our minds, our souls. Wake us up inside to the things that we forget and yet are completely available to us all the time as followers of Jesus. Show us how to move away from the chaos and closer to that peace that Jesus gives us that is not what the world gives us. And it is constant and consistent and doesn't shift like the shadows of our emotions. Have your way with us, Lord. Open our eyes to see, our ears to hear, our heart to respond. And may the words of my mouth, the meditations of my heart, be acceptable in your sight for the edification of everyone who's tuning in today or will listen into the recording of this podcast. May you be glorified in all of it. In your most precious name we pray. Amen. So I started my week, um, actually Sunday evening, and I was feeling very peaceful about beginning this week until I wasn't. And our one of our dogs, who was 12 and a half years old, has been very healthy and no signs of any illness, uh, stood up to come upstairs with us. My husband and I were calling her up to go to bed and she couldn't move. And she started to pants and drool and she couldn't move. She was paralyzed, standing there kind of shaking and couldn't even take a step forward. So we quickly got dressed, grabbed her, put her in the car, took our golden who was raised by her, who's five. We spent the night in the um, veterinarian ER on Sunday night. Come to find out her stomach was full of blood because of a massive tumor on her spleen and um we had to put her down she was bleeding out from within a sudden a sudden situation so my husband and i spent the whole night and morning just sobbing perhaps you can relate to that perhaps it's not a dog perhaps it's a loved one grief 
knows no limits and hits us oftentimes very unexpectedly. So my piece was hijacked for about a 24-hour period of time. I had just recorded a podcast last week that offered the process to overcome and be victorious when you are faced with spiritual warfare. If you haven't listened to that podcast, I highly encourage you to check that one out. So I started to apply it. I started to bind, rebuke, and cast out despair in Jesus' name. What's interesting with grief is we are called by the scriptures to not grieve as the world grieves who have no hope. We have a hope in Christ, and that hope always overrides the despair that often slithers in on the frequency of grief within our bodies. Be very careful with that. I experienced it profoundly, as did my husband. Oftentimes what happens is fear, worry, and deep and complete paralyzing anxiety can often come in with despair. And so I began to rebuke that in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth and follow the steps as I shared in the previous podcast. And relief came quickly. Um, I still was weeping, cried many times today as well, because it is a loss. And when you have a presence within your household, dogs embody unconditional love. Um, profoundly. I remember weeping over the loss of my other dog a couple of years ago and asking God why dogs live such short lives. And this is what I got. And I passed it on to lots of people in similar situations. Instantly, I, I, I heard, heard these words very clearly within me because dogs embody such a high frequency of unconditional love. They can't remain in a fallen world for too long which is why they age so quickly before they return to love itself. They come to remind us of what unconditional love feels like and looks like. And then they go back to love. That changed my whole perspective, that one piece of information that God was gracious enough to lay upon my heart. Many times we'll ask why things happen as they do, and we'll get stuck in that rut. And sometimes God does reveal the reason behind certain things. And many times he doesn't because his His thoughts are not our thoughts. His ways are not our, th our ways. But in that case, he did give me that opportunity to have peace in that situation. So perhaps you're facing something that has bumped you and you feel as if you've lost your sense of peace. That's my story for this week in Earth School. What is it for you, my friends? In this world, we will have trouble. But fear not, I am with you, Jesus says. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not be afraid. 
I give you my peace, but I don't give to you as the world gives. What does that mean? We will have trouble. We will have moments of being hijacked into fear, self-doubt, worry. And Jesus constantly calls us out. There's a difference, just like I've shared with grief and despair. Grief, the power of Christ, carries you through that. Despair comes from the dark side. Because despair is void of hope. Despair tosses you into the shadows of the ego, which, by the way, is very insecure and fearful, which is why lots of negative behavior flows from our egos. It's life without God. We're motivated to launch, edge God in very intentionally as a response to ego edging God out. Isaiah 26.3 says, You will keep in per perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you. Proverbs 3, 5 through 6, trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all of your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. Emotional intelligence in Christ requires a choice on our part to surrender our need to know and our need to be in control over to God. It's a choice to surrender our need to know how things will turn out, why things happen as they did, as well as our need to be in control over to God. All of it over to God. Our need to know why things happen as they do, or our need to know how things will turn out in order to feel confident and safe is not of God, my friends, but of the world. Our ability to walk through the challenges of life, whatever they may be, as well as our ability to lead well, engage in healthy relationships, have healthy boundaries, manage our emotions and behaviors in a way that honors God in life, is in direct proportion to our choice to surrender to the leadership of the Holy Spirit within our mind, will, and emotions. So it's a choice. It's an invitation. Perhaps this is the point that the Holy Spirit desires to remind your mind of. What your soul always knows. Your choice to surrender to the leadership of the Holy Spirit within your mind, will, and emotion. Along with giving God the space for him to lead us into mastery over our strong negative emotions and behaviors will give us the ability to lead well in this life, including becoming the boss of our emotions. I have a question that I'd like to propose to you today. Do you give God the space to act on your behalf? Or do you micromanage every detail in your life by your own efforts for fear of losing your ability to know, 
as well as be in control. And the question that pops up, how are things going to turn out? Do you give God the space to act on your behalf or do you micromanage every single detail that there's simply no room for God to act or for you to witness his power? As I was comforting my husband and, and being comforted by my husband through the, through the loss of our, of our dog, on, on Sunday night, suddenly we were talking about the power that is made perfect in our weakness as we surrender our suffering to Christ. If you haven't listened to the three-part series, don't waste your suffering. Check it out. There are three, it's a three-part series. The last one I had the the blessed opportunity to interview Johnny Erickson Tata, and she shared her very powerful story of becoming a quadriplegic at 17 and then sh not wasting that suffering, but allowing the Lord to transform it into one of the largest, if not the largest ministry to help people who are confined or using wheelchairs in life and challenged physically um, on different levels. She has used her suffering. She has not wasted her suffering. The first one, I share my story through advanced cancer and divorce. Don't waste your suffering. And where I even got that title was from a nun that worked with Mother Teresa. So if you haven't checked that out, you can explore that at edgegotin.com. Simply look at the search button and put in suffering and it'll, it'll come up for you. So this question, coming back to this question again, do you give God the space to act on your behalf or are you micromanaging every detail with your need to know how things will turn out as well as your need to be in control in order to feel safe? So there's no room to give God the space to act until we take a leap of faith into the unknown similar to jumping out of an airplane and trusting that the parachute on your back is going to catch you, we will never enter into Jesus' invitation to receive his peace, simply because there's no room for God. We're micromanaging everything to the nth degree, so there's no room for God to act, which is why suffering is such a gift. It is truly a gift because you come to the end of yourself and your efforts. We were up all night Sunday, and we both had to work on Monday. My husband actually had to leave town and travel. We were at the end of our physical strength. And so anything good that's come out of us this week, including this podcast, to be honest with you, is an act of the power of God within and a choice to surrender into that power of God simply because, because <laughs> before I got on this podcast... To be honest, I, I simply said, I have nothing but you and you, and that's enough. So whatever you'd like to say, say it. When we are exhausted and emotionally drained and we choose Christ's presence and power within us over the pain and the paralysis of the pain, God does mighty works in the darkest night 
In fact, with every storm, Jesus comes to. The first book that God moved me to write was called Hearing His Whisper. With every storm, Jesus comes to. And I've never been left empty-handed in that area. So until we take that leap of faith, my friends, into the unknown, and sometimes it takes us coming to the end of my end of ourselves. I've got a huge personality, and it takes a lot to take me out because I I ride pretty far on my own efforts many times and take the wheel, so to speak, rather than allowing Jesus to drive. So perhaps you can relate to that. And yet it's such a sweet space when you can have an authentic prayer that says, I have nothing, and yet you are my everything. Do with me as you will. He rushes in and gives us strength beyond ourselves. It's Ephesians 3.20. The power that works within us is able to accomplish abundantly more than we could ever ask or imagine. Yet we do not access that power because we're fumbling around with our own efforts, similar to a young child who doesn't know how to tie the shoe yet. And yet as you watch them, they're kind of tossing the strings either direction and trying desperately to do it. And you just wait until they ask you, can you help me? Can you show me? And then you can show them and teach them. And God's just waiting for that invitation today. We will never enter into Jesus' peace invitation to receive his peace as we are trying to achieve our goals by human effort. That's the biggest peace stealer. So how to maintain inner peace, the first step here is to take a leap of faith and to resist the urge to use your own human efforts and surrender it all to God and ask for his guidance and wisdom. Do you want me to be spending my time doing this? Do you want me to be on this project? Do you want me to create this? Do you want me to do that? Ask him first rather than marching ahead. And I'm speaking to myself on this one too. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. John 14, 27, Jesus' peace walks hand in hand with the thrill of the surrendered life. And that's another podcast. The thrill of the surrendered life. Our need to be in control is actually a form of identity theft. That is the first phase of emotional intelligence in Christ. Identity theft is rampant. Our need to be in control is actually a form of identity theft. The shiny objects that surround us have hijacked our attention so much so that our sense of identity has spilled into the objects around us. Possessions, status, things. Similar to Tolkien's work, The Lord of the Rings, who's masterful at this. And he intentionally chose the name, this little creature, Gollum, if you're familiar with Lord of the Rings, you know exactly the picture. If not, you can look up Gollum and you'll see the little picture of this hobbit that actually used to be a hobbit, but turned into Gollum. This creature, um, Gollum actually 
in Hebrew means the unman or the man who's lost himself in the fetish of the shiny ring that one feels they can't live without. Too often we lose our identity in some thing outside of us, thus rendering ourselves imprisoned by it. And we're left bumping around in the dark crevices of our ego, edging God out rather than in. We're held captive by the false belief that we are in control when in fact we are not, my friends. As we cling tightly to things, we become imprisoned by attachments. Perhaps you've heard me reference attachments before because they're everywhere <laughs> and they can happen so fast. We're attached to our opinion. We're attached to our perspective. We're attached to our needs for certain things in order to feel safe. Man, there's just not a sort, uh, not a shortage of attachment. Someone once said, you know, we'll get attached to our opinions and opinions are like belly buttons. Everyone's got one. As we cling tightly to things, we become imprisoned by attachment. And an attachment is an emotional state of clinging to the belief that without some thing, person, situation, or outcome, we feel we can't be happy, successful, or safe, or connected. It's a lie. These attachments prevent us from accessing emotional intelligence in Christ. Why? Because our eyes have become fixed on something outside of ourselves rather than on God's power and peace that works within us that is able to accomplish abundantly more than we can ever ask or imagine. That's again, Ephesians 3.20. Our need to be in control in order to feel safe is directly linked to original sin. How so? The serpent's initial lie to Eve, then Adam, was this. Distrust in God's ability to care for us resulting in a desire to take control of one's life. Well, heck, I want to know the difference between good and evil. Give me a bite of that apple. So what is it for you? Well, I want to know this. Give me a bite of that apple. We all know how that turned out. Not good. God always creates beautiful order. Always. Simply look at nature around you. Disorder, which results in chaos, occurs when we try to do for ourselves what only God can do and accomplish. Are you giving him the space to do that, to accomplish his purposes in and through you? As, as we attempt to take control of our lives, as we struggle to figure out how things will turn out by planning and executing to the smallest nth degree and detail, for fear that we will not get what we want. It's only a matter of time before the thin ice of human effort gives way to the cold waters of negative emotions and behaviors. Confidence and freedom is found through the faith to believe that God is in control. I'll say that phrase again. Confidence and freedom. Galatians 5.1 is one of our foundational verses for Edge God In podcast. It is for freedom that Christ has set you free. Stand firm. Do not allow yourself to be burdened by the yoke of slavery. To need to know. I need to know this in order to feel safe. I need to know why that happened. I need to know this. And our desire to be in control. 
Confidence and freedom is found through the faith to believe that God is in control. I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Jeremiah 29, 11. As we invite the Holy Spirit in on every occasion to do with us what is in accordance with God's will for our lives, peace and confidence become our way. Peace and confidence become our way. Our ability to manage our emotions and behaviors in a way that honors God by loving others well, as Jesus did and does, which is the definition of emotional intelligence in Christ, suddenly becomes accessible as we invite the Holy Spirit in on every occasion to do God's will and to move us to want God's will, to seek God's will. So why, why is this so? Why is it that when we invite the Holy Spirit in on every occasion to do with us what is in accordance with God's will for our lives, peace and confidence become our way? Because when we fix our eyes, not on our need to know and be in control, but on Jesus, Christ of Nazareth, the author and perfecter of our faith, Hebrews 12, 2. He is emotional intelligence. Happiness, peace, and purpose return as we anchor our identity in Christ. Stop thinking about ourselves. That's the invitation. Stop thinking about yourself. We are the happiest when we are selfless. We are the happiest when we are giving our lives in service to God and others because we stop thinking about ourselves. It's all that thinking that creates the suffering, mentally speaking. Stop thinking about ourselves and focusing our attention on loving God and serving people from the love and wisdom he places within our hearts. So, my friends... Let us move out and embrace the inner peace that Jesus invites us to step into today, more today than yesterday. Let us ask the Holy Spirit to deliver us from our need to know. What do you need to know today in order to be at peace Ask for deliverance. Dear God, deliver me from my need to know this in order to feel peaceful. Because it's a lie. It's a deception. Help me to feel peaceful and trust that you know, and that's enough for me. Give me the grace, dear God, to embrace the power of John the Baptist's prayer. He must become greater. I must become less. Sweet Jesus, become greater in our lives today. So much so that our need to know, as well as our need to be controlled, to be in control, is engulfed by your knowing and the fact that you are in control. We are literally in your hands you are the potter, we are the clay. Help us not to forget this, to allow you to have your way with us and to trust that you have good plans 
to prosper, not to harm us. So we don't need to know in order to have fear. So we don't need to be fully in control in order to have peace. Truly, peace walks hand in hand with the thrill of surrendering our lives to you and giving you the space and the room to act. Forgive us, dear God, for just clinging, manipulating, pushing our way, trying to get what we think we need or want in order to have peace. Help us to release and to trust so that peace becomes our way and confidence in all things, because we know that you have our back. Always, you have our back. We love you, Lord, and give you the keys to every room within our castle. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. I'm going to end with a story that I heard the other day. And it's a story that you can find if you look it up. It's called the teacup story. I heard it the other day and it stopped me in my tracks, which is why I'm going to share it with you today. Perhaps there's something in here that will help you feel safe coming back to that place in that thrill of the surrendered life in order to gain peace and to step out of your need to know in order to feel safe and connected and confident in your life. The teacup story, I got this, the source of this was godsotherways.com. There was a couple who frequently traveled to England to shop in its beautiful stores. They both liked antiques and pottery, especially vintage and lovely teacups. One trip was taken to celebrate their 25th wedding anniversary. On a visit to a very lovely shop, they discovered an especially beautiful cup. They asked the proprietor, may we see that? We've never seen one. So quite exquisite is this one. As the sales lady handed the cup to them, the cup began to speak. You don't understand, it said. I haven't always been a teacup. There was a time when I was a dull clump of clay. My master took me and rolled me and patted me over and over, and I yelled out, let me alone. But he only smiled, not yet. Then I was placed on a spinning wheel, the cup continued, and suddenly I was spun around and around and around. Stop it, I'm getting dizzy, I screamed. But the master only nodded and said, not yet. Then he put me in the oven. I never felt such heat, the teacup said. I wondered why he would wanted to burn me. I yelled and knocked on the door. I could see him through the opening and I could read his lips as he shook his head. Not yet. Finally, the door opened, and he put me on the shelf. I began to cool down. There, that's better, I said. Then he brushed and painted me all over. The fumes were horrible. I thought I would gag. Stop it, stop it, I cried. He only nodded. Not yet. Then suddenly, he put me back into the oven. It was 
not like the first one. It was twice as hot. I feared I would suffocate. I begged, I pleaded, I screamed, I cried. All the time I could see him through the opening, nodding his head, saying, not yet. I felt there wasn't any hope. I would never make it. I was ready to give up. But then the door opened and he took me out and placed me on another shelf. One hour later, he held me up to a mirror and said, look at yourself. And I did. I said, that's not me. That couldn't be me. It's so beautiful. I'm beautiful. I want you to remember this, he said. I know it hurts to be rolled and padded. But if I had left you alone, you would have dried up into hard clay. I know it made you dizzy to spin around on the wheel. But if I had stopped, you would have crumbled. I knew it would hurt and it was hot and disagreeable in the oven. But if I hadn't put you there, you would have cracked. I know the fumes were bad when I brushed and painted you all over, but if I hadn't done that, you never would be have hardened. You would not have had any color or beauty in your life. And if I hadn't put you in the hotter second oven, you would have not survived for very long because the hardness would not have held. Now you are a finished product. You are what I had in mind when I first began with you. Author unknown. The moral of the teacup story. God knows what he is doing for all of us. He is the potter and we are the clay. He will mold us and make us so that we may be made into a flawless piece of work to fulfill his good, pleasing, and perfect will. May the teacup story become our story as we're willingly, as we willingly yield to our potter's hand. This teacup story illustrates what Jeremiah wrote by the inspiration of God. The Lord gave another message to Jeremiah. He said, go down to the potter's shop and I will speak to you there. So I did as he told me and I found the potter working on his wheel. But the jar he was making did not turn out and he ha as he had hoped. So he crushed it into a lump of clay and started over again. Then the Lord gave me this message, O Israel, can I not do to you as this potter has done to this clay? As the clay in the potter's hand, so are you in my hand. If I announce that a certain nation or kingdom is to be uprooted, torn down, and destroyed, but then the nation renounces its evil ways, I will not destroy it as I had planned. And if I announce that I will plant and build up a certain nation or kingdom, but then that nation turns to evil and refuses to obey me, I will not bless it as I said I would. Jeremiah 18, 1 through 10. And yet our Lord, O Lord, you are our Father. We are the clay. You are the potter. We all are formed by your hand. Isaiah 64, verse 8. So, my friends, as we're told many times within scriptures, we are the clay, God is the potter. When we try to be the potter by wanting to be in control and form and mold and sculpt our lives, it's then that we squeeze the peace out of our purpose. 
when we come back and remember, ah, that's right. I'm in the hand of the potter, the master physician, the master landscaper of my life. And we live in the thrill of the surrendered life, even when we don't understand why things happen as they do. And even when we are aware of the fact that we are out of control and God is in control. that he must become greater and we must become less for peace to reign within our hearts. So even when we do grieve because grieve because of loss, we still have hope because we know who's ultimately in charge and this is not our home. So go out into earth school and reflect on what it is lately that has been triggering you out of peace then ask yourself the coaching question, what am I trying to control? What am I needing to know in order to feel safe and connected? That will give you fodder, food for fodder for a prayer and offer it up to the Lord. Lord, help me to override this. Help me to remember that you are in control and I am safe because you are in control. Be still and know that he is God, my friends, and that he has plans to prosper you and not to harm you, to give you hope and a future, always. He is our peace. As we remember and give him the space to act, the more we choose to give him the space to act and resist the urge to tweak and twist and mold by our own efforts, the greater our peace will be. So give him heaven out there. There's enough of the dark side. I look forward to our next podcast together. God bless you today. And remember, he is our peace and God is in control.